Hey everybody, welcome to This Woman Can. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Janice Sutherland, career strategist for the woman of colour over 40. Now, what I'm finding is that not I don't just handle career challenges when I work with my clients. I also handle a lot of lifestyle challenges as well. And that prompted me to really start expanding on the work I do and talking more about topics that are pertaining to women over 40, and especially women over 50. So once a month, I started um, LinkedIn Lives, a series of LinkedIn Lives. We started last month for Women's History Month, and we were talking there about uh, the perception, society perception of women over 50. It got such a great reception that I've decided to continue it once a month. And if you're listening to the real in this in real time, the next event comes up on April the 12th, 10 o'clock Eastern Eastern Time, Atlantic Standard Time, because they're both the same times right now. And I'll be having a discussion with Renee Lindo, who is a special, who is a personal stylist. And the title for this month is going to be What is What I Wear Really Your Business? And we're talking about the impact of appearance on career success 50 and beyond. Because the one thing I've realized is that when you reach a particular age, especially over 50, is that someone always has an opinion about how you should be conducting yourself as a mature woman and nothing comes out more that doesn't appear more than when it comes to dress and what we wear and how, and how we wear it you know you get all the comments about what age does she think she is is she trying to act young with the english phrase mutton dressed as lamb so you know there's a lot of opinions about what women should wear in society when they reach that particular age but also how do these biases translate to the working world and women's careers so as i said if you listen to this in real time we go live on linkedin live on april the 12th at 10 o'clock atlantic time or eastern time it's the same it's the same time if we're not connected on LinkedIn just do that I am Janice Sutherland it's very very easy to do now I wanted to share that with you up front before the interview I've got a great interview this week with Crystal Ellington, who is an ex-military ex ex-military person, and she really gets into her pivot, what made her change, and how she's successfully now um, in a brand new career using transferable skills. So I really do hope you enjoy it. As always, I really want to hear your opinions. I want, to, want you to share with me what topics you think we should be covering on This Woman Can. Very easy to do. Email me info at janissutherland.com or follow me on all my socials instagram facebook as i said linkedin all the same handle i am janice sutherland so until next week or the next next episode let's get into it without further ado have a fabulous week and i look forward to seeing you at the linkedin live on april the 12th take care Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of This Woman Can. I am your host, as ever, Janice Sutherland, career strategist for the women of colour over 40. So we're continuing to have these really interesting conversations and I hope you find them as interesting as I do. But this is probably a first for me and you'll see why once I start, once I give, give Crystal's bi biography. So Crystal Ellington is the Communications Director for Minority v Veterans of America, an organization aiming to change the narrative of the American veteran by providing community advocacy and policy change for LGBTQ plus veterans, women veterans, vets of color and veterans of non-religious minorities.
In her current role, Crystal has utilized her lived experience as a minority veteran to open dialogue around the various intersections that many veterans and service members find themselves in. In 2021, Minority Vets hosted several speaker series around race, from the legacy and struggles surrounding the celebration of Juneteenth to the discrimination of racial and ethnic minorities faced during and after service. Prior to Minority Vets, Crystal was a combat veteran. Serving a tour in Iraq in 2019, she retired from her army service as a special operations helicopter mechanic whoop, whoop, in 2021. <laughs> She's a graduate of Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University with a degree in communications. Crystal, welcome to This Woman Can. I'm so glad to be here, Janice. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Now, you have such many lived experiences. Um, you're not the first engineer I've interviewed. Well, maybe you are. I don't know. But you're definitely <laughs> the first veteran that I've interviewed that I'm aware of. So, Crystal, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Oh, wow. So my journey has not exactly been the straightest road. Um, so graduated in 2012 with my degree in aviation communications. Um, at the time, I was also pursuing a professional track and field career. Um, I went to Olympic trials in 2012 as well. Um, so I think that uh, having that discipline and having that background, as well as having family members that were in the military as well, is really what drove me to that particular career decision. Um, and then I also wanted to go back to school to work with my hands and be a mechanic, but aviation school is really expensive. So I was looking for ways to do that uh, with as less money out of pocket as possible. Mm. Um, and I had a, quite a few friends in my circle tell me about all of the benefits of the military and all of the great things about the armed forces. So that um, combined with my family legacy of service, it was a no-brainer for me. Excellent, excellent. So why the why the fascination with aeronautics? That's the right word, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, so aeronautics and aviation is essentially the same thing. Aviation is just a lot easier to say. Right. Um, very so true, I've very always true. been fascinated with aircraft and planes and flying. <laughs> Um, like I always have had the fascination with um, like flight and flight dynamics and flight mechanics. Um, and I've always been very good with my hands. When I was growing up, I was the designated in-house um, person that put things together, whether it was a vacuum or a computer or setting up the Wi-Fi. I was uh, wearing many hats as a child. Um, so I think that affinity for seeing how things work um, really extended in my adult life. Okay, so then you left the, the army. So tell us a bit about that transition. Was it smooth sailing coming out, making that change? Or maybe what prompted that change? Tell us a little bit about what the drive was behind that. Okay. Um, so I was medically retired from the military. Um, I, and that's it's a whole other conversation, but okay. I had um, a few issues with PTSD right. and um, it's very common, especially among black women veterans in the military. Um, it's just not as visible. And I think a lot of people don't understand that a lot of black women we do hurt. We're not just the strong ones all the time. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. So getting out of the military was not exactly the easiest transition. I think that I had a little bit better of an experience because I knew it was coming. Um, right. A lot of right. people don't set themselves up for success and they don't use their networks yeah. to really 
um, pursue their passions after the military because it becomes so much of a part of you, um, your service, I mean, um, and a lot of people don't know how to pivot once they leave the military. So um, I really dove right in as soon as I found out that I was being uh, retired and um, extended, you know, requests to my network, like, hey, how can I break into the industry? I really want to stay in aviation and or communications. Um, But it was really interesting because after I reached out to folks and really got feedback, I understood that aviation really wasn't my calling. (laughs) Um, And helping people Yes, after the degree and all the things, um, I found out that helping people and really bringing a voice to those who have been systemically marginalized and have not really had the opportunity to voice the issues surrounding veterans, especially Mm. veterans of color, women veterans, et cetera. Um, So this really became my intersection of my purpose and my passion. Yeah. And so many things you, so many things you said there. The one, th- one thing that I, I, um, I come across, especially when I work with, with black women, is the fact that we actually, uh, we allow, we almost allow our role or our title to define who we are. And when we don't, and when we don't have that, because we've worked so hard to aspire to this particular title, level, position, whatever you want to call it, you know, there's a lot that comes with that. Sometimes, depending on your role, it could be prestige. You know, it could be that you, I also find quite often is that women have been, have gone into roles that's expected of them by family members sometimes, because, you know, this is why you see so many, so, so many scientists or, or doctors, lawyers, because it's what our family wants. We make our family look good. It's not necessarily what drives us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing you said there was that re- realizing that your passion what 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 you what we thought was your passion isn't mm-hmm. actually your passion. So tell me a little bit about or tell our audience about a little bit when you realized that, what was going through your head? So I think that it was a light bulb moment for me once I actually received the paperwork in hand that I was out of the military. And it really dawned on me that I had the freedom to pursue whatever I wanted. I could transition into whatever career I liked. And that was also simultaneously very scary because I didn't know where to start. And I think that one of the reasons why I was so interested in your show is because you know, being older, you're not in your twenties anymore. You don't have all the time in the world to figure things out. You have responsibilities, you got bills. Um, so it was extremely terrifying for me to pivot into what I felt like was an entirely different world. Um, and the only way to really understand how to pivot was to do it. And I couldn't be scared and I couldn't take my time and, oh, well, maybe if I have this, you know, accolade yeah. or this certification, because yeah. I never would have changed anything. Yeah. 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 So I love to hear you say that because quite often, again, what I find is that we believe that another qualification, another accreditation will give us what we want. But in fact, what you haven't done is actually define what you want. So what? Exactly. I, so when I'm speaking to women and I, and I say to them, well, what do you want to do next? Well, I'm just taking my MA because I'm like, but you don't know where you want to go. So how are you spending mm-hmm. all that money on additional qualifications when you do not have a clear plan or path 
to pursue. So all you're doing, and for me, all that actually does, what I see is that it's little procrastination because it is scary. It, you know, it is <laughs> making that move. But if I delay it a little bit and I'm doing something that will make me feel okay about the delay, then it's going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can 100% um, agree with that. And I actually went to law school for a few years and going back to your point, so it was what was expected of me. Yeah. It was what my family wanted. Um, and at the time I was 24. Four. Yeah. So I really thought that, oh my gosh, this is so prestigious. I'm going to be an attorney, all these yeah. things. And then once I actually got into law school and I was reading 60 hours a week, and I also had to commute an hour back and forth to class and classes at night, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. This is, there's no work-life balance here. I don't yeah. want to do this. Yeah. But I never would have known had I not put myself in that situation. Yeah. And I also really value as we get older, we really understand what our boundaries are and what our yes. limits are. Yes. Well, ideally we do. Yeah. Um, and my boundary is I need sleep. <laughs> I love sleeping. It's one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> if there is an activity that is on that, I don't want it. fabulous 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 so yeah so you've made a number of transitions there which is great and and it's natural but you've also made most people make or quite a few people make transitions from maybe role to role but in the same industry or the same vein of what they're doing you've gone wholeheartedly wholesale actually changing doing complete pivots you know Mm -hmm. from law from lawyer to i can't say the word now aviation (laughs) Mm-hmm. There <laughs> to it now, is. To now, to now be minority vets. So, what do you think? What has been the best thing, uh, Crystal, about having your mid career change? Um. Well, mainly the the best thing has been the freedom, and it also gave me agency to realize what I want in my life and how to speak up about it. Yeah. Um, I think that having the courage and the boldness to uh, pivot, whether it's like you said, from role to role, if it's a lateral transition or it's something that is completely in a in, in a different industry. I think as black women, we have to give ourselves the space and the grace yes. to really advocate for ourselves yeah. and understand that that's not a bad thing. Speaking yeah. up about what you want and sometimes not going with the flow is the best thing yeah. that you can do for yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love I love to hear that because we have to be more open about these careers. And I think as women, some things you said there. Well, as women, what I find, again, whether you have families or not, you're always bottom of the run. You put yourself the bottom of the, the bottom of the ladder because everybody else's needs come before yours. But we need to have a good conversation with ourselves about what we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So we've, we've talked about your change. We've talked about um, the, the, the pivots. Now, I know you're in a situation for this last transition where you kind of had to make the change. But what did you fear the most about going through that process? Um, to be completely candid, I was scared I would not be able to find a job yeah. because I encounter quite a few veterans, especially women veterans, that 
um, take positions that are decidedly below their experience level, yeah, just yeah. to say that they have something. Yeah, yeah. And I was not prepared to do that. I was not prepared to come in at entry level. I'm like, I have put myself through all this stuff. I need a position that is an accurate description and depiction of my capabilities and my skills. Um, and that's another thing about um, really having that agency for yourself is understanding what you will not tolerate. Absolutely, so, non-negotiables. <laughs> yes, definitely. Because, I mean, if you don't set any boundaries, then you'll just yeah. say yes to anything. And who does that help, really, yeah. at the end of the day? Yeah, thank you. So, Crystal, what would you have said was the most difficult part of your last transition? Um. I think it was certainly the unknown hmm. and I am very much a, a type A OCD person where I have a contingency plan for my contingency plan <laughs> and having to put all of my eggs in one basket, which was yeah. minority vets, because I wanted to stand behind this mission so much. And it was so, so much a part of who I am. Hmm. I understood that this is what I want. This is what I'm going after. And it was terrifying because there's always that imposter syndrome. Like, what if yes. I don't have the skills? Yeah. What if I'm not enough? Yeah. How do I show them that I do have the capabilities to do this job? Um, and that's something also that I've really struggled with in my transition is imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I had a chat with um, my mentor, um, Onika Jefferson Cornelius, and she would tell me that you have to understand that you are enough without doing anything. They hired you. They understand you have the skills yeah, or yeah. can attain yeah. those skills. Yeah. So you have to take up that space, be a mountain, yeah. take up that space. Yeah. So, and, and I think um, what women also need to realize is that no organization employs you to be a failure. That's not the goal. Mm -hmm. That is not yes. the goal. You know, they employ you because they can see and they believe that you can deliver the objectives they want for that role. So, mm -hmm. you know, so we have to get over the fact this imposter syndrome because somebody, usually somebody sees in us what we sometimes can't see in ourselves. Yes, yeah. I totally agree with that. I, once I uh, interviewed for this role and I understood that there were over 200 candidates, a lot of them were in previous director roles and little old me, I'm just like, um, I don't know what I'm doing here, <laughs> but I'm going to try. Excellent. So, you know, the rest is history. Excellent. Excellent. So, Crystal, share with us um, one, one, of the, one of your biggest challenges and the lessons you've learned and, and how you overcame it. Um, so as of, I would say one of my biggest challenges recently is dealing with the emotional trauma and vicarious trauma of my role. Um, there is a lot of storytelling involved in what I do yeah. and people tell their stories of sexual trauma, of racism, of discrimination. Um, and those types of things can become very, very heavy, mm. um, and the challenging part for me was I would have these feelings of feeling overwhelmed and I didn't know why. Right. And I really had to sit down and understand I am absorbing all of this energy from this story um, that these people have overcome and yeah. then re-traumatizing them every time they tell the story. And I think the challenging part for me in that was putting my mental health first, yeah, speaking yeah. exactly to what you said. We often yeah. put ourselves on the bottom rung yeah. and having to realize that I need to step away for a bit because this is really heavy. I need to process it. Mm. Um, 
doing that was one of the biggest challenges of my current role and continues to be, but it's so worth it. Excellent, excellent. So let me just flip the script on that then. We talked about we talked about challenges and successes, but how has failure made a positive difference in your life? People often see it as a negative, but I always have a different viewpoint on it. I mean, I think especially in all of the transitions and all of the experiences that I've had, yeah. failure is a completely necessary part of the process because it allows you to see where your improvements lie. Yeah. And I never think of failure as a negative thing. As you said, I think of it as a learning process and there are no mistakes, only redirections. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. So if you had to start over from scratch, knowing what you know now, then Crystal, what would you do differently? Oh, well, first of all, I'd go directly into the military so I wouldn't have student loans. (laughs) First and foremost. (laughs) Because no one wants the student loans. (laughs) Um, And I would also um, definitely stand up for myself more. I would understand that being in spaces where sometimes I am the only Black woman, that is not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of times it can be a position of power because you have the power to change people's minds and they're... uh, thought processes about what it means to be Black or what it means to be a woman, because some people don't really get those genuine stories from people in our positions. And it's absolutely necessary because it allows folks to change how they feel in terms of being discriminatory or prejudiced. So... Fabulous. Love that. Love that. answer. That's one thing I'd change. Excellent. Love that answer. And it's great that you were aware of that. So that's great. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you share with women who are embarking on their own career change, career pivot? I would definitely say um, be scared. It's going to happen. Just embrace (laughs) that fear because there's always going to be the unknown. There's always going to be a semblance of making a mistake and the fear of failing. Um, But I also think that it's super important for women, especially that are in mid careers or senior careers Mm -hmm. to understand that you don't have to stay somewhere where you're not appreciated. You don't have to stay somewhere where you're unhappy. There's always someone else that is going to see your value and someone else that is going to ensure that you are successful. Um, just like on this podcast, you are reaching out to women in your audience that are looking for ways to break into another industry and are just looking for a sign that it's okay to make a change. Well, sis, this is your sign and you absolutely have everything you need already in your arsenal to be successful. Yeah. And I had a very similar conversation on exactly the same thing um this week another another interview um and it's about embracing knowing you have all the strength all the power you have everything you need another qualification you know another conversation it's not it doesn't you don't need it you didn't get where you are today without having the strength to do it absolutely totally agree with that yeah yeah so what do you think holds women back from going for their goals crystal Um, I think a lot of times, especially with women that are mothers or caretakers, 
they are afraid to take risks, even calculated yeah, risks, yeah. because it's not just them. It doesn't yeah. just fall on them if there is a mistake made. Um, so I really applaud women that are in their mid and senior careers that have the courage to pivot into another role because it is terrifying <laughs> to have, have someone else depend on you. Yeah. And you make a mistake. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's 10 times worse because yeah. now I have to be accountable to everybody else that I'm taking care of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also think that there's that level of comfort. There's that comfort blanket, like, oh, I've been in this job for 20 years or 15 years. This is what I know how to do. Yeah. And for people like me, I don't like being bad at things. I don't like having to start over and having to start at the beginning. Yeah. So I think a lot of women just won't get started because they don't want to suck at it first. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But but what I what I say to women like mid career women, women in their probably their forties, um, I usually just point out. I think I did a couple of posts about you know, your if you're in your forties, you probably have fifteen to twenty years of career ahead of you. How do you like your career now? You know, and that kind of puts right. you can I see myself doing this for the 15, 20 years? Yes, I may be good, good at it. Yes, I'm, I may be comfortable, but it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me, I'm not passionate about it. And eventually what happens is that whatever you thought you were good at mm-hmm. comfortable starts eroding at you. It starts eroding anything you and then it starts showing itself. And speaking from experience, it shots it, it, you you ignore it, but it starts showing itself in other ways, you know, from your health, mm-hmm. from your mental health, your physical health, you know, even your relationships, because you're just not nice sometimes because you're not you're not you're not happy, but you can't articulate that. So for me, having those conversations with people close to you, because again, we bottle it up. We think we can't come mm-hmm. out of this because we're the main breadwinner, we're this, that, and the other. So we've got to stay. We are. And in the meantime, while you're yep. bottling that up, it's just nibbling away. It's just nibbling mm-hmm. away everything that, that keeps you alive. So yeah, it's it, have the conversation, people. For the women, ladies, <laughs> the person to do is have a conversation with those close to you to explain how you're feeling. So at least you have them on your side because in the back of your head, you're thinking, they don't support me, they don't support me. Yet you've not given the opportunity to say to you, this is okay. Mm. We'll work this out together. You know, so yeah, it's scary, but it's doable. Definitely. And I think a lot of times when we don't have those conversations, we're taking away the capability of someone else to be helpful for us, or even maybe even give us some guidance. Yeah. So if we take away that choice or if someone to help us, we're only hurting ourselves. Excellent. Very, very, very true. Very, very true. So Crystal, What's your personal mantra or mission and why? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, So I have a few. Um, Personally, I completely live by the mantra that treat people the way you would like to be treated. Because I think there are so many negative things in this world. And all it takes is to just be nice. Like You can be anything in this world, but just start with being nice. (laughs) Um, And then professionally, I think we've already touched on my personal mantras is that there are no failures, only redirections. Yeah. Um, Because there have been quite a few experiences I've had within the military and after where I thought that something was the end of my career. I thought that this, I'm never going to get past this. 
Yeah. And it really ended up setting me up for something better. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. So I'd like to finish this sentence. My best advice for mid-career women is. My best advice for mid-career women is to do the thing that scares you the most. Ah, Yes. Love that. (laughs) Absolutely love that. Love that. (laughs) So Chris, we're coming down to our last couple of questions. What are the three things you've learned about us during your career? Sorry, you've learned about yourself, not us, yourself <laughs> during your career. Um, I'm sorry, repeat the question. What are the three things you've learned about yourself during your career? Okay, I have learned first and foremost that I am a procrastinator. And it is something that I struggle with every single day because much of my life has been under pressure. And so I've really gotten used to putting myself in putting myself in those situations where I need the pressure to perform. Yeah. And the older I get, I'm like, I I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in a hurry. I don't want to be under pressure. So really having to make the realization of I need to do this. I need reminders. Um, Having to uh, reframe my thinking in that way has just been a little bit of a challenge, but we're working on it. Um, The second thing I've learned is that I have a really huge passion for helping people in whatever way that looks like. And there have been so many times in my life where I've wondered, what am I doing here? What is my purpose? You know, we all have those existential crises. Um, But really being in an environment where I can bring my whole self to how I serve people Mm -hmm. and I don't have to code switch. I don't have to have my hair a certain way. I don't have to present myself in what I feel like is the most palpable way, um, palatable, excuse me. Um, I can just be me and Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't okay with it. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So Crystal, what oh sorry, yeah, you got no, we've got a third one, haven't you? Sorry, my mistake. Number three. (laughs) Okay. And then the third one is I realized that um networking is definitely the way to go for anything essentially that you would like to do, whether it's starting your own business or pivoting careers or um essentially anything like you have to have a network of like-minded folks that are willing to set you up for success. And if they don't know the answer, they can introduce you to Mm. someone that has it. So Mm. networking is key. Excellent. Excellent. And I always love this question almost, almost to the end, but Crystal, what does success feel like to you? Oh, so I actually asked myself this question at the beginning of the year when I was doing strategy for my own personal development and success to me looks like work-life balance because I am the type of person I will work myself into a coma and I don't want to do that. I feel like it's not helpful for the company because then I'm putting forth subpar work and obviously it's not helpful for me because I'm not taking the time that I need to be the best version of myself that I can be. Mm-hmm. So fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. So tell us before we before we start wrapping up, tell us a little bit more about minority vets, what's coming up, and also how people can get in touch with you if they want to know more. This is my favorite part. Okay. <laughs> so so um, with minority vets, we uh, are aimed mostly 
or not wholly at um, servicing minority veterans and marginalized veterans that have historically not had a voice. Yeah. So vets of color, LGBTQ plus vets, um, vets that are ethnic and religious minorities, we advocate for those folks and ensure that they have the space in the community mm-hmm. that they need mm-hmm. to feel seen. And we also do policy and advocacy work um, essentially trying to make sure that those folks have the resources and have the laws that are necessary for them to live their fullest, best lives. Um, And so Minority Vets is doing a lot in the upcoming quarter. So in February, we had our Black History Month event, and it was focused uh, specifically toward Black joy because so many events in Black History Month are focused on strife and pain yeah, and slavery. Yeah, yeah. And there is way more to Black history than just yeah. slavery. Um, so we definitely history. wanted to, uh, yeah, definitely expound on that. And then March, of course, is Women's History Month. Yeah. And we are doing a visual campaign called Hashtag Fierce AF. And we are focusing largely on women veterans who for lack of a better word, are badasses, Um, women that are also not a monolith. They are moms and storytellers Mm -hmm. and visionaries. And they are also very, you know, gentle and kind and sweet. And I just didn't want to focus on that trope that women are, you know, soft and kumbaya and sisterhood. Like, no, women do some pretty amazing (laughs) things. So um, that campaign is coming up. And then we also have our Trans Day of Visibility that's on March 31st. We're starting a campaign with that called Transcending Hate. Um, And it is largely focused around how folks can break the stigma and um, a lot of the misconceptions around the trans community. So um, that's what we have set up in March. Um, We have a ton of things coming up in April and May as well. Um, we'll be sending out our newsletter. Anybody can get um, signed onto our newsletter. Just go on our website and sign up. And we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and LinkedIn uh, at Minority Vets on all platforms. And what's the website address? The website is www.minorityvets.org. Excellent. I'll put all the links. I'll make sure I put all the links in the show notes. But Crystal, that was my last question. You, you, you survived. You survived. I know. <laughs> survived and flourished. <laughs> excellent. excellent. So thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, it was definitely a pleasure having you. <clears throat> thank you so much for bringing me on, Janice. I really enjoyed myself and I hope the women out there realize that they absolutely can. Yeah. Fierce AF or hashtag Fierce AF. Fierce AF. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. So how great an interview was that with Crystal? So many takeaways for me from that particular, that that, that interview. Um, And the things that she spoke about was understand, realizing that her passion wasn't her passion. Because we start out with some great ideas about what we want to do. We're all enthusiastic about it. But when we actually get into it, reality doesn't quite match up to what we think it should be. So I love the fact that she was quite, she was strong enough and brave enough to understand that that's not the direction she wants to go into and the one thing I always say um, which really struck with me again another thing that struck with me was realizing that more qualifications weren't the answer so many women I meet are embarking on this qualification certificate certification credentials uh, route 
thinking that's going to get them the career they want. And, you know, it doesn't. Yes, I'd, I'd, I'd understand that there are certain areas where you're going to need those qualifications, but quite often you don't. You know, and sometimes you need to really understand what the direction is you want to go in before you um, embark on yet another degree and another great expense that really won't add value to where your career or your life is going. And then lastly, embracing the fear of career change. I'm not going to lie, it's scary AF, as you know, as she, as she, as she intimated, but um, it's not insurmountable. So being able to face those, fear, those fears head on and really understand what it is about them that's holding you back before you, ne- before you make that next step is paramount in any, in any career transition. And that's what I help you do. That's why you're listening to this, because you want to hear how other women did it. And I can help you do that too. So just head over to my website janissutherland.com for more information on how I can do that as I said follow me on all the socials and again if you listen to real time I really want to see you on April the 12th on my Instagram live is what I'm wearing really any of your business so see you then as always remember I always say if I can you can this woman can take care until next time